How do I sound? Oh my god! Crank the cans. <laughs> so what I what the levels that I have myself on. So I've got my cans all the way cranked. Yep, I, I do too. My mixer, the pink one of Mike and uh, headphones, I've got it. Uh, the top light is lit and one to the left over towards Mike. Yeah, I don't get that. Why Why do I need a mixer? Be- because that, it, I guess it would, what? It's not really a, uh, a mixer. It's more of like what you can hear, like a mix of what you hear in your headphones. Oh, I so see. so, so that, that, that's just feeding, yeah, feeding me a little bit of the microphone. Check, check. Uh, and, and then for the mic level, I've got it set to so that when I'm talking like this, which is about as loud as I get in like being animated, I'm using all of the yellow lights, but none of the red. Check, 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 check. I think that's about what I'm doing. Yeah, I can't I think make so. it. I can't even make it go so into too. the red. Yeah. So I, I think you're. I think you're at a good level. All right. How's All the, right, uh, man. Is there any room tone or anything? <laughs> no, it's dead. It sounds good. <laughs> Sweet. Well, yeah. So, I mean, and, it, it better. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're in your closet too, aren't you? No, no. I'm in I'm in Sarah's office. Okay. So it's kind of like a little I don't know, ten by ten maybe. Yeah. Room. What do you hear as far as room tone for me? Is it a little echoey? Just a little bit echoey? Honestly, I'm not picking any okay. up. Sometimes I, I do, but yeah, yeah. it's it's a because I know I'll listen back like on my my local record. It's a little bit echoey, but again, it's because the room's bigger and I don't have it sound treated at all. But I can I can deal with that. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. This <sighs> thing has got some heft to it. I gotta say, it's uh, it was about double the price and about four times the weight of my last microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope it lasts just as long <laughs> as my Audio Technica. R.I.P. Buddy. How, how long did that one last? Twenty years. When did I get that? I got it. I got it in Erie, so it's not twenty years yet. Okay. Um, I remember I got it before you, we were you even mo- doing. You the moved podcast. up to Erie in twenty. 20- 16. Yeah. So let's just say let's just say it was 20 so between 20 between 2016 yeah. and 2018. Yeah, between, I remember I got it 6 and 8 years ago. Yeah. A good long time. If only I noticed that I was missing all the screws underneath that held all the guts in <laughs> earlier. Maybe it, she'd still be with us, but <laughs> you, you you blew her guts out, Tim. <laughs> I was up in them guts, Ted. You were up in them guts. Uh, um, okay, we do not have much time. We Ted, are stop screwing around. Uh, we are on a time crunch. I have like an hour. I have until okay uh, six thirty my time, seven thirty your time. So you let's... have to go to bed. Is that why? I, I have to start packing, Tim. Oh, geez. <laughs> that is that's really me. I do the exact same thing. I'm like. <laughs> Oh, and I don't even work like Sarah will pack both kids and herself and I'll go, yeah, I'll throw some stuff in a bag like an hour before we go. <laughs> yeah. No, like I have to start packing and then uh, t- our flight is at 6 a.m. So uh, yeah. And like two t- hours away, right? Two and a half hours. Yeah. Away? Yeah. The airport's two hours away. Uh. So to, to get there at the airport two hours before the flight, we've got to leave here at the absolute latest by 2 a.m. So I mean, I'm thinking like li- leaving here at one thirty f- for like you know traffic and uh, gas and incidental things. Bucky's a Bucky stop. <laughs> Pro- probably get a Bucky stop um, in there. I mean they're open twenty four hours. Why yeah. not? But yeah, it, I, I'll I'll maybe get a few hours of sleep. All right. So should we get going? Yes, let's do it. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. 
And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 10, the season finale, Larry v. Michael J. Fox. I mean, not until Batman v. Superman would we see another great <laughs> V in a title. Wh- um, which came first? When did, when did Batman v. Superman come out? Because I, I mean... saw, I, again, I have to, I, I always, my my <laughs> landmarks, whatever they call them, my milestones are always where I was living because as a military family, I moved around a lot. Oh, so I'm always okay. like, oh, I saw that in Germany. And so I was in fourth or fifth grade. <laughs> so I definitely uh, saw Batman v. Superman in Erie. Okay, to Dawn, of Ju- your question. Dawn of Justice was 2016. What's the deal with stuff from our last episode? Mr. Softy, really, we had one big question about what exactly was the Bill Buckner incident. Both of us kind of have a tertiary knowledge of it just based on its place in pop culture. But here's what was going on. The Red Sox leading the heavily favored New York Mets three games to two in the 1986 World Series when game six went into extra innings. Now, Buckner was having uh, not a great game, I don't think. He batted was batting just 143 against Mets pitching and was 0 for 5 in game six at the plate for now, I guess. Uh, and the Red Sox scored two runs in the top of the 10th, and Buckner took the field in the bottom of the inning. Uh, instead of bringing in a replacement, the manager sent Buckner in, even though I guess maybe he was a little tired at that point. Uh, and this guy had come in for Buckner, in games one, two, and five. With two outs and no one on, New York struck back with three straight singles and tied the game on a wild pitch. So bases are loaded. The game is tied. Mookie Wilson fouled off several pitches before hitting a slow roller to Buckner at first base. Buckner knew that Wilson had the speed, so he tried to rush the play. As a result, the ball rolled to the left side of his glove, through his legs, into shallow right field, <laughs> allowing Ray Knight to score the winning run from second base. Had Buckner fielded, uh, Buckner fielded the ball with Wilson safe at first, the score would have remained tied for the next Mets batter. If Buckner had put Wilson out at first base, game six would have gone to an 11th inning. So who knows what would have happened after that, but this wasn't the do-or-die situation like, oh, if he only caught that ball, we would have won. That's not true. If he had just gotten it and Wilson was safe, the score would have stayed tied. If he got him out, we would have gone into inning 11. So. Yeah. Again, it, we there's there's a multi, there's a multiverse situation there, but it, it's not the it wasn't the nail in the coffin. Yeah, Mets won Game Six because of, because of that. Essentially, they you know who knows what would have happened if Buckner caught the ball, but they won right in that second. Uh, Boston led Game Seven by a three zero score heading into the bottom of the six when New York rallied again, scoring three runs to tie the game, and then three more in the seventh to take a six three lead. Buckner was two for four in that game and uh, scored one of Boston's two runs in the eighth, but the Mets scored twice in the eighth and won 8-5 to five for their second and most recent World Series championship. Everyone always talks about the 86 Mets. I think those were the Amazons, if I'm not mistaken, the Amazing Mets. Uh, regardless of any other perceived shortcomings that led to Boston's loss in 86, Buckner's error epitomized the curse of the Bambino in the minds of the Red Sox fans. And I know this as, you know, the Red Sox traded um, Babe Ruth to the Yankees and then somehow that led to them cur- being cursed and never winning a World Series until, you know, well into the 2000s, whenever that was, I think. And soon Buckner became the scapegoat for the frustrated fan base. He began receiving death threats. He was heckled and booed uh, <laughs> by his own fans, often with the false belief or implication that that play alone could have instantly won the series for the Red Sox. Oh, my God. I know. Fuck everyone off. had the. Yeah. yeah. Everyone had the. <laughs> it's like when you learn about that, um, the miracle on ice. When the U.S. beat Russia, and you're like, yeah, and then they had to play the championship game. Like that was that game was amazing. Like that, like that wasn't the championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the miracle on ice was. It was like, yeah, all right. 
now you guys got to go on and play the next game. It's like <laughs> everyone thinks that was the, what got them the gold medal or whatever that year. I, I don't remember how. I'm, I'm, I guess U, U.S. must have won that year. But, yeah, beating Russia was the second to last step or something like that. Um, so that's why everyone thought that, you know, Buckner should die, essentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, uh, meanwhile, he was the focal point of derision from fans of opposing teams as well, especially on the road, and especially when he faced the Mets in spring training of 87 and during his first regular season at bat at Yankee Stadium. He made his uh, 2,500th career hit on May 19th, an RBI single in a 4-1 road loss to the Kansas City Royals, but the Red Sox released Buckner on July 23rd after he recorded a less-than-stellar batting average of .273, and had two home runs and 42 RBIs in 75 games. He went on two stints with the Angels and the Royals, but then he returned to the Red Sox in 1990 as a free agent and received a standing ovation from the crowd during player introductions at the home opener on April 9th. So I guess there was a, a nice little ending there for Bill Buckner. You know, the the, rela- the um, relationship with the fans turned around a little bit. Uh, what happened to the Buckner ball, by the way? Uh, so one of the umps picked it up and gave it to... Um, the I think he gave it to one of the, the Mets managers, and eventually Charlie Sheen bought it in 1992 for $93,000. Why? Yeah. And, and, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. 93000 93 grand, yeah. And for a long time, it resided in the collection of songwriter and Mets fan Seth Swirsky, who I'm not familiar with, but he called it the Mookie Ball. He did not call it the Buckner Ball because he's a Mets fan. Uh, the ball was on loan for a time to the Mets to display in their Hall of Fame and Museum. And on May 3rd, 2012, Swirsky sold the ball for $418,250 <laughs> to a buyer who wished to remain anonymous. So oh my pretty good God. ROI on that, uh, whatever it was. I mean, how he got it from Charlie Sheen, I have no idea. It is now in a private collection, I guess, somewhere. And Bill Buckner, uh, unfortunately, passed away May 27th, 2019 of Louis Body Dementia at the age of 69. Oh, man. Yeah. The other thing we wanted to know about was next to normal. When Larry was is walking with Bill Buckner, and he's like, oh, how long are you in town for? Maybe we should catch a Broadway show, like this thing next to normal. I hear it's great. And it's like a little 15, 20-second promo for this. Yeah. I was like, what is the... There's got to be a connection. Well, next to normal is a 2008 American rock musical with book and lyrics by Brian Yorkie, music by Tom Kitt. It's about a mom who struggles with worsening bipolar disorder and the effects that managing her illness has on her family. Opened on Broadway in 2009, nominated for 11 Tonys that year, and won three Best Original Score, Orchestration, and Performance by a Leading Actress. It also won the 2010 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, becoming only the eighth musical in history to do that. There was no connection to Curb Your Enthusiasm that I could find. I looked for... You know, I Googled everything. Like I was like, oh, maybe Larry Charles had something to do with it, or Alec Berg, or maybe somebody. But no, I couldn't find any connection to it at all. I guess it was just big news in New York City when they were filming this. And and the weird part is, it closed before this episode aired. So we know that they were recording in like the summer of 2010. Yeah. The Broadway production closed in January of 2011. After oh 734 God. regular performances. So, I know. so it, it was closed by the time this episode aired. <laughs> yeah, it was closed when they were talking about it. Yeah, I know. Oh, my so, God. Okay. I know. Really, really weird. Um, I, I did a little background on Mr. Softy, too, and specifically the music of Mr. Softy, because I wanted to know if that was the actual Mr. Softy song, and it is. The melody broadcast from Mr. Softy Trucks was composed by Philadelphia ad man Les Waz, who titled it Jingle and Chimes, 
and it has lyrics. <laughs> oh my god, really? I don't and I listened to this over and over and over again. Now I'm traumatized by it because I kept trying to sing the lyrics to and I could not make it work at all because there's an intro and a and a verse and then a second verse and the verses don't follow really any sort of the intro is here comes Mr. Softy, the soft ice cream man, the creamiest, dreamiest soft ice cream you get from Mr. Softy for refreshing the light supreme. Look for Mr. Softy. My milkshakes and my Sundays and my cones are such a treat. Listen for my store on wheels. Ding-a-ling down the street. The creamiest, dreamiest soft ice cream you get from Mr. Softy for a refreshing delight supreme. Look for Mr. Softy. S-O-F-T-W-E. Mr. Softy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kind of guessing at the at how it goes there. As you can tell, especially for a... Ref- oh, maybe it's for a refreshing delight supreme. Look for Mr. Softy. Oh, that might be it. I But I don't know the tune well enough. But luckily, I can learn the tune because there's a 12-hour loop on YouTube. If you're curious. holy shit, <laughs> I don't know. I love all I love all those loops of short stuff, and they all have the same thing. It's like longest loop of the SpongeBob song. I'm like, why? <laughs> just because? Just because you can? I, uh, I, I, f- I found a, a 10-hour loop of someone pissing once. <laughs> why? See why? <laughs> I can't explain those, but they, they are all they're out there. Anything you want to hear, you can listen to for 10 or 12 hours on loop. Um, a couple of other trivia and tidbits here. This blew my mind. I cannot believe. I guess I didn't pay attention, close enough attention to the credits. Because after Larry gets distracted, and actually you can see behind Larry too when Yari is giving his uh, very inspirational speech. But after Larry gets distracted and pulls a Buckner, a woman walks by him and says, What a douche. And about five seconds later, the same woman walks by the exact same stretch coming from the original direction. So she walks by. Maybe it's a twin. Maybe they had twin girls and yells, stupid ass. That woman was played by Amy Schumer. Really? Yeah. And I went back and looked. And I was like, well, I'll be damned. So, yeah, we had Robert Kelly, Amy Schumer, and then I forget the other guy's name who I, something McNamara, um, the other stand-up comic who was like, you know, Larry was like just plucking stand-up comics from you know, the local clubs for this, this this season and like just putting them in random uh, spots, which I think is pretty cool. Cause yeah, like 2011, Amy Schumer was maybe hot off of last comic standing, you know, definitely not the Amy Schumer of, of today. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I thought that was crazy. Um, and when the, his- Oh, this is funny too. So at the end of the episode, I didn't notice this. I mean, I, I noticed it, but it didn't stick out like it did to this person who submitted it to IMDb. When the hysterical lady in the apartment that was in the fire threw her baby to Bill Buckner. Well, actually, she throws it to the tarp and then it, it flings off and, and Bill Buckner catches it. After Bill catches the baby, the mom is right next to Bill Buckner and he gives the baby to her to hug. And this person asks, why didn't they both just walk down to the ground floor and out of the building? <laughs> Why did she want to throw her baby so bad? <laughs> I just love that. It's like if she could have been down there in that amount of time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's not necessarily a plot hole. It's more of like a continuity error, I would say. <laughs> like it all happens a little too fast. But uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. And that is it. Uh, okay. Do we have any uh, other continuity that needs curbed or anything? No, not that I saw. Okay. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last. 
21 minutes. Uh, we, we're <laughs> keep, keeping it short, shorter. We're uh, Oops, running out of time. Some bullshit. <laughs> yes, some, some bullshit. Uh, last 21 minutes being exclusively research and homework. We like to have our research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last... 12 years all right still still 12 years yeah last mm-hmm. 12 years if we miss anything if we egregiously skip over anything please send us an email or send us a tweet it's at no hugging on twitter no hugging underscore no learning on instagram and uh no hugging no learning show at gmail.com uh all those links down in the description and uh, as well in the show description on apple podcast speaking of apple podcast if you like what you hear give us a five-star rating and a written review over on apple podcast you could also give us a five-star rating on spotify if you use that instead if you've already given us a rating and a review maybe you've been riding with us for a couple of years now consider joining us over on patreon we've got tiers starting at one dollar which is just a basic like thank you tier but the real meat is in the five dollar tier the it's a hyundai tier five bucks a month gets you early access to extended versions of every single one of our episodes and uh seinfeld cinematic universe movie reviews whenever we've got the time to do them we we haven't been able to do one in a while now i know i know it's it's been a minute but we've both been so fucking busy <laughs> and I, I i feel bad about it but we will get to one eventually we may have some fun stuff in the pipeline but that's uh that's to be discussed at a later time again patreon.com slash no hugging if you want to sign up for that best way to help the show but tim another way to help the show is starting your own podcast yes you doing what we do probably even better uh can help us out <laughs> Because if you start a go to Libsyn and start a L I B S Y N, start your podcast with Libsyn, you get up to two months free when you use the promo code Hugging. Go to Libsyn.com and sign up. Use the promo code Hugging. Get up to two months free, and uh, we, we you know we love Libsyn. We record through Libsyn. That's that's what we're what we're doing right now. We don't use Zoom or or I, I just saw like ZenCaster is rising their raising their prices for. I mean, not to denigrate you know a. a supposed competitor or whatever but we used to use zencaster and we didn't like it mm-hmm. um but I, I they keep emailing me and they're like oh you know your free account's not going to get you everything you got like this is all through the plan that we uh have, have been hooked up with uh, through we, well, we haven't been hooked up with it we pay for it this is all through the plan <laughs> we pay for for libsyn it's not that expensive we have all the storage that we need but you can fly find the plan right for you you can get all the stats so you can find out how many people are listening and where and start your podcast journey with Libsyn and use the promo code HUGGING to get up to two months free. Have I been putting that link in the description? I don't know if I have been. Uh, but hey, uh, link might be down in the description for that. Uh, otherwise, just uh, <laughs> Google Google it and just listen Listen yeah. to it, Tim. Listen to it, Tim. Google Libsyn.com. <laughs> Google <and> Libsyn.com. <laughs> and, and, and use uh, HUGGING. Is that what it is? Promo code HUGGING? <laughs> yes, HUGGING. Yes, that's <laughs> okay. right. Okay, not... No hugging. I know. Remember, we always say remember. no hugging's the fake one for fake stuff. <laughs> yeah, no hugging's the fake one. That that's not gonna work. Um, okay. All that being said, season eight, episode ten, Larry versus Michael J. Fox, original air date, the tenth anniversary of nine eleven, <laughs> September eleventh, twenty eleven. Uh, if you're looking at TV guy that night, you're gonna see. In the season eight finale, Larry accuses NY neighbor Michael J. Fox of harassment. And Jeff takes a bullet for Susie. Hmm. 
It's Very funny how like this this episode centers on like not just hey Larry happens to be in New York while this episode is going on, but this episode is like fully focused on like being a New Yorker on the tenth anniversary of nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe that was his his tribute in his own Larry <laughs> David way. It's like uh, I guess you know we should set the set this season in New York. You know, like in a, memory, I, we should we should do something. Yeah, <laughs> we should do something. The nation to, the nation tonight was in mourning, but Larry was trying to help them out. You know, with just a little half hour of comedy in, in on this dark day of remembrance. Um, uh, so we start with Larry picking up Jennifer at her apartment. They are still dating, and he meets Greg. And we don't know who Greg is yet. Uh, we will find out later, but it's a little kid running around the apartment. No mention of him <laughs> heretofore, but again, that's just kind of something Curb is famous for. Uh, and he inquires about the little doodle that Larry is making on the magazine. He has turned this guy on the magazine into Hitler. He gave him a little Hitler mustache and Hitler hair, and the kid is actually fascinated with the little design on his sleeve, which is a swastika. The kid has been watching uh, in the other room watching Project Runway, which he loves because of fashion. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> it's pretty obvious in the performance they were trying to make this kid a, you know, flamboyant gay child. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, there's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, gender norm and gender convention conventioning in this episode uh, that we'll definitely have to dig a little bit into as much as we have time for anyway. And he likes the swastika so much, he wants one for his birthday. In fact, he thinks they should, they should sell them in every gift shop in New York City. <laughs> and what, what, what's, the, what's the line he, he says? Because, uh, oh yeah, Larry says like, uh, Jews might not like it that much. And Greg says, get a life, Jews. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> By the way, this kid is great. I mean, he this is kid's incredible. There. Yeah, he is up there with the kid they took to the Playboy Mansion. Like that kid was great, <laughs> and this kid is was so he he's like I know this is a weird thing to say about his performance because he is so flamboyant, but he's understated. Yes. He's not overselling it. He's not Nick Swartzen on Reno Nine One One. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> he's like true. a believable, effeminate kid. Like he's really good. Um, and we, we do find out, by the way, this is Jennifer's kid. She's a single mom. So that's, uh, it's, it's her son. Uh, over at the Carlton, which was named after Alfonso Ribeiro's famous dance from, no, it wasn't. It's, uh, it's weird to see the Carlton without Ritz Carlton, though. Um, yeah. I will say. Will, it's like, is it, is it supposed to be up? the Ritz Carlton? <laughs> like, is this a different hotel? This is a different, yeah, this is a different thing. It's it's still at 88 Madison Avenue, where it's been since 1904. And yeah, as far as I can tell, it has, has never been a Ritz-Carlton. It's just the Carlton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Jen is playing there. She is a piano player. And she's there, as she knows, Larry's excited to see her play, which is great. Like, he's being very supportive of her. And in my headcanon, it's kind of because she refused to go to his softball game. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go to your thing and be super supportive so that you feel even worse (laughs) about not coming to my thing and being supportive but in the end i guess he's probably glad she wasn't there because he totally bucknered it um so he lucked out but she's there playing you know background like lounge piano music for a very crowded bar and restaurant but larry is trying to shush everyone to so they listen to the piano player it's like he's never been in a restaurant before or something where they have a live never never been never been (laughs) yeah um, so he's shushing everyone and then Michael J. Fox comes in and he, 
you know, strikes up a conversation with Larry. I guess they kind of know each other or whatever. And it turns out they're actually neighbors. Larry lives is currently in the apartment below Michael J. Fox. And Larry is shushing Michael J. Fox. He's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, why? why? He's like, I'm trying to listen. He's like, I like Michael J. Fox's line here. You know, it's not, it's not Carnegie Hall. It's a bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Michael J. Fox leaves Larry to, to listen and goes over and, you know, he's talking to his friends like everybody is in the restaurant. And Larry shushes him from across the room. And then when she finishes her song, he compels everybody in the restaurant to clap for her. You know, which is nice. I mean, even for background music, I'll do that sometimes. Like, hey, you yeah, know, you know, yeah, for sure. A little something. Yeah, if I'm not in the middle of a conversation, like, oh, that was great. Let's give them a little something. You know, they're adding to it. I'm sure they'd rather have a tip, but all I can do is clap. <laughs> um, but yeah, he compels everybody to clap for her, even though she is not, you know, the main attraction. And even during a little break, she knows that she's background music. He's like, oh, everyone's talking, and she's like, I, I know, it's just. I'm just it's background, ba- it's background music. music. Yeah, I'm not. It's it's not a it's not a concert. Yeah, uh, and then they t- start talking about Greg. Larry's like, oh, you know, it must be a, a, a challenge having a kid like that. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm a single mother. I, I signed up for it, you know, so I'm I can't complain. And and what Larry was referring to is how flamboyant the kid is. I guess maybe this is maybe a little bit of softball payback because she goes, you know, his birthday is is coming up. We're having a party this weekend. And Larry's like, no, I'm. Uh, he says, I'm not that guy. <laughs> what do you mean? If this goes, you know, if there's a future here, you're going to have to be that guy. Yeah. You know, you're yeah, just going to skip maybe, your stepson's birthday. Yeah. Maybe he's not that guy right now. Yeah. I'm not. I like, I kind of took it as I'm not that guy who goes to kids' birthday parties, which I kind of understand because, you know, I have to go to kids' birthday parties. They're usually okay because other parents are there and you just end up talking while your kid is occupied. So it's yeah. actually kind of nice. Yeah, but it's Larry not doesn't like, like you're people. there to hang out with the kids. No, you're there to hang yeah. out with the parents. There are those parents who are like, I'm here to play with the kids. And everyone uh, else is like, weirdo. that's a little extra. Yeah, <laughs> like, we know a couple of those and we're like, okay, all right. At least you didn't have to hire a clown because you're all just right. going to. Yeah, you're gonna... yeah. We got uh, got Jungle Jim Jeff that all the kids <laughs> yeah, can climb exactly. on. Yeah, it's like, all right, have at it, buddy. I'm going to. I'm gonna grab a beer. Gonna, Sometimes I'm there's gonna, beer, I'm, which is good. I'm, I'm gonna go over here and uh, uh, not injure my back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be like a stick in the mud too, where I'm like, I don't, but I don't know. I mean, they're there to play with their friends, not not with me. I I have enough of that. <laughs> uh, but Larry will get. How about a present? I'm not going to the party, but I will get him a present. And then here's our first little gender normification thing. He's like, Wow, what do you get a kid like that? You can't get him a baseball or a football. <laughs> I was like, come on, can't Larry. You? Yeah. What is this, 1940? Yeah, this is fucking, like, I, I get, the, like, even in 2011, you know, society is not to the point of, like, acceptance of gay people. That, yeah, we that still we, don't have an out gay baseball yeah. player. Or, yeah. Is there not? Really? As, as far as I know, yeah. Mm. I mean, the, the closest we've gotten in football is that, that one guy who doesn't even play anymore. Uh, he was on the, I don't even remember now. I but, know who you're talking about, but I don't remember the yeah. name. And yeah. then, you know, basketball. But they exist. Like I said, 1940. They but exist. for sure there were yeah. gay baseball players in 1940 who, you know, just it was the same environment, I guess, that, that we have now. Like, I'm sure they are gay baseball players. But just weird that he thinks, like, gay people just innately cannot play sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, the kid didn't express any interest in sports, though. He was watching Project Runway. 
But I, I don't know. I, that may be giving Larry too much credit. <laughs> like, I don't even think he was being that specific about Greg. I really think he was being broad about homosexuals. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get that feeling too? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was being <laughs> like so. very, very broad. I wanted like, to give him a little bit of a credit. To... Like, yeah, Greg's. Go ahead. Oh, no. Like, Larry's talking at all gay people with this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to give him a little bit of credit. Like, you know, I, I guess if I, if I was encountering Greg, I might say, oh, he doesn't want a football. <laughs> But I think Larry was being very broad in his – I think he was generalizing <laughs> here. Larry looks over and notices Michael J. Fox leaving. And before he does, he kind of like shakes his head, like gives him a little scoff, kind of like like head shake kind of thing. And Larry is puzzled. Was Is he pissed or is it Parkinson's? Uh, you know, was because he, he shakes. As Jen says, like he's got Parkinson's. You know, he shakes. And Larry's like, yeah, so was he pissed or was it Parkinson's? And Jen kind of talks him into apologizing anyway. You know, maybe you should just apologize just in case we're shushing him. Which Larry, I thought he was giving her lip service, but he's actually going to do it. You know, he was like, yeah. yeah. Like when someone tells him to apologize, he usually brushes it off. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jen tells him to and he thinks it's a good idea. So uh, Larry, you know, cut back to the condo where he's staying. And Larry gets in the elevator with Asif Manvi, who had to have been on The Daily Show at this point. Oh, I, I like, wasn't I'm, even I'm, I wasn't even sure. Yeah. Of him. Or oh, you didn't recognize him? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was he was a Daily Show correspondent for okay, a long, long that's time. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty sure he was on at this point. Just like who was it? Jerry Miner that that we saw in an earlier episode. Yeah, the the computer guy. He Larry hits 31, which is the floor he's staying on, and this guy has already hit what 54 or something like that. Uh, and then Larry's like, well, you know what? And he hits 32 because he's going to go up and apologize <laughs> to Michael J. Fox, and this starts a huge argument with Asif Manvi. Uh, because he's kind of in a hurry, and uh, you know now you're stopping at two floors. You could have, you know, gotten off at 31 and taken the steps up, and and uh, so they start pressing. The guy really well, screws himself. Yeah, I, I want to say like it's it's the guy in the elevator who pushes at least the first two extra buttons, and then yeah. Larry doesn't even jump in until like this guy's already going to cost himself to stop at two extra floors. Yeah, it was it was a really weird way to own yourself. Like he's like, oh, maybe you want to go to thirty three too. And Larry's like, yeah, I think I do. You know what? Maybe thirty four. Every time Larry says a number, the guy pushes it, and so he's like, yeah, maybe we'll go to these. Hey, now you're going to all these floors. And Larry even wins. Like this is the ultimate fuck you to this guy because he gets off at thirty one anyway. He's like, you know what? I am going to get off here and take the stairs. <laughs> Yeah, so that guy has to ride all the way up with the elevator looking like it does an L when uh, Will Ferrell's in there. So, I mean, Larry just like, you know, put the smack down on this guy. Uh, so up at Michael J. Fox's apartment, Larry apologizes and Michael J. Fox says it was a Parkinson's shake. He's like, you know, I, I shake. I'm sorry if you took it the wrong way, but it, it was. And Larry's like, you're, you're not upset? Michael J. Fox kind of does another little shake and then walks off to get the phone. Yeah, because well, he says like uh, he's like I, I don't I don't like being shush. No one likes being shushed. I don't even shush my kids. Yeah, yeah. So Michael J. Fox, you know, he seems to accept the apology, but when he asks if he's upset, he kind of shakes his head and and then walks off without clarifying Did, whether he is still pissed or whether it was Parkinson's. You caught the line that Michael J. Fox said when he went to pick up the phone, right? Oh, I'll be back in two shakes. God damn it! Yeah, I know. This really was funny, and like it, it just goes to show you. I don't know what you want to call it, grace or whatever, like the the way that Michael J. Fox dealt with his, you know, uh, the affliction that he has, uh, that he has and just sort of put everybody at ease and like kind of normalized it a bit, you know, um, that didn't stop him from, 
I don't know if you, I remembered this very well as I was watching this episode. Do you remember when he recorded some sort of, some sort of thing? I, I want to say it was like for Obama or something like that. And it was maybe about, I, I'm, I'm probably confusing all this, but it was probably when the uh, Affordable Care Act was like going to be passed or whatever. And he obviously needs medication. And so I think that he made a little video about that or something. It was something along those lines. It was slightly political. I want, I want to say it was probably Rush Limbaugh at the time got on his radio show and was like, and, and talking about him like playing up the shaking. Like, oh, he was oh, playing up the God. shaking. He was he was making a big production out of it and really chewing the scenery and shaking. And it became a whole, like he politicized his his performance in that. He fucking that. politicized Parkinson's? Yeah. Like as a guy who actually has Ooh. Parkinson's, like let him do whatever the fuck he wants with the disease he has. Maybe he took, and I think Michael J. Fox said later, he's like, I actually took medication before that. They were like, oh, he, he was off his medication, so he'd shake more. He like accused him of like, Jesus you know, playing Christ. up the disease he has, which even if he does, he's the one with the disease, you know? God damn, um, man. And, yeah, I, was, I'm so glad that Rush Limbaugh is getting spit roasted in hell. I know. It, it is a pretty nice feeling. And and it, it how little people talk about him, except in the, like, the most derisive like, of terms people, like we are right now. People, people fucking moved on and forgot about him. Yeah. And that yeah. is what, he, like, is deserved. Yeah. When when you, his legacy is dirt, which is yeah. which is better than, you know, I mean, it's, it's a shame we even remember the awful stuff he says. But the fact that he's remembered for that and, like, you know, it, it's uh, it's a little bit of cosmic justice that we can enjoy while while we're still walking around. And you hope that it's a lesson like, man, maybe my thing shouldn't be the most vilest hate. And I shouldn't be like a, just a giant tub of rage and like misplaced anger and, and frothing <laughs> up my stupid a, a, constituents. A tub of rage is such a good descriptor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I, but it, this, that just came to mind and it was probably around this time or something that, that he was doing that. So when Michael J. Fox ha- comes back to Larry at the table, Larry has, I guess this is his thing, drawing Hitler stashes. And it's funny because he brought it up in a previous episode that Michael Jordan has a Hitler stash now. And now he's yeah. doodling it on everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the end of season eight. And this yeah. just became a thing. Yeah. Like, this is something that like he's done he's done what two or three times in this episode but never prior to this i know he's in a hitler he's in his hitler phase he's, he's in his hitler era he's in his hitler era yeah <laughs> hitler era hitlera's oh my Hitlera. gosh <laughs> that's the that's the white supremacist taylor swift tour. oh no oh no <laughs> um so Larry has drawn a Hitler mustache on a guy named Stephen M. Pollen, who apparently is Michael J. Fox's father-in-law. I'm going to have to put that down for next week. I wonder if that is true. Oh, here we go. Stephen Pollen. And uh, so he's ruined this magazine cover that, that Michael J. Fox's relative was on. And then uh, Michael J. Fox asks if Larry wants a soda, which he is, you know, he's shaking. He's got Parkinson's, which means that the soda explodes all over Larry David, but Michael, you know, says, oh, Parkinson's, sorry, you know, just kind of like <laughs> shrugs it off. It's Parkinson's. Uh, so up in Larry's apartment, Leon believes Michael J. Fox that it is Parkinson's. Look, he shakes. The soda got shaken up because he has Parkinson's. You can't attack a guy. He's not attacking. He's not harassing you, Larry. It's Parkinson's. But then they both hear this stomping sound from Michael J. Fox's apartment upstairs coming through the floor. 
And they asked the question once again, Parkinson's are pissed. Now Leon's kind of on the side of like, all right, he sounds pissed. That that sounds like piss stomping. Uh, so maybe there is something to it. Over at Jen's, Larry brings a gift for Greg's birthday, and it's a sewing machine, which makes Greg <laughs> squeal with He's delight. He's so happy with this. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a dream come true for him. He can't wait to make a Wizard of Oz costume. And Larry asks him which one he's going to make. <laughs> There's only one on Greg's mind, Dorothy. A Dorothy costume. <laughs> <laughs> which, this is so wholesome. You know, this know. is so sweet. I know. And, and, you know. I mean, not that, what like, I try to play in, if my kids are interested in something, like, I dig into that. Like, I want them to, like, explore their interests, like, no matter what it is, like, you know, we we have a lot of toys that Colleen played with growing up still around for Declan, like a play kitchen with a bunch of food or whatever. Like, I don't say, no, boys can't play with kitchens. I'm but like, yeah. Boy, boys can't play with kitchen. That for girls. No. Like yeah. If, if the dude wants to play in the kitchen, cool. Maybe it develops a love of cooking, a love of food. Maybe he grows up and becomes a chef or something. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Or whatever the case may be. I'm like, if you want to play with that, it's fine. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Whatever you're into, I, I, I never fucking got that like mentality, that 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 idea. Yeah, yeah, the blue and pink, everything has yeah. to be right. You can't play with this because it's a girl toy or that because it's. A, and Colleen's the same thing. Whatever you want to do, it's there's no boy toys or girl toys or whatever. Like you know, like Sarah's a little more like, all right, let's not go overboard with that. And but the kids have relatively normal interests anyway. You know, and uh, yes, I did just use the word normal. Too. Wow, Tim. <laughs> I know. Jesus. I know. Just call me Susie. Um, <laughs> a little more conventional, let's say. Um, you know, what gender conventional Yeah, uh, I think that, that's, interest. that's... Yeah, it's probably probably proper, um, proper way to say it. But when it does come up, you know, I, I, nobody makes a big deal out of it, which I think is the way to go. Not the way that Jen goes, and she is kind of upset <laughs> that Larry brought him a sewing machine. Even though... I mean, if you saw your kid with that much joy, how could you think anything else but sew your little heart away, you know? Um, but oh, here's where she says, are you trying to turn him gay? Wow, Jen. I thought this was progressive New York City. Jeez. Maybe yeah. you should move to Staten Island. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there, there's, you know, another strike against the episode as far as... Not, not, not only, uh, not only you know, that, that kind but... Of thinking goes. Not only that, but... Uh, in, in addition to say, are you trying to turn him gay? But she says he is a healthy, happy seven-year-old boy. Oh boy! As as opposed to wow. the the opposite <laughs> being, oh well, he's clearly yeah. sick and twisted. That's why he's acting oh, this way, God. right? <laughs> oh, Jesus Jeez, Christ! Jen, yeah, and and Larry says that he this is in thinks he might be gay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was like we're really close to this. Isn't like the first season, you know. Which not that we would excuse it then either, but yeah. Like, but like two two thousand you know. two thousand and one, like I could definitely see these being played up, you know, for comedy, for for a laugh, yeah, just fun and giggles, exactly. Um, but yeah. like, damn, twenty eleven seems kind of late for this stuff. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I think they could have played this differently, you know, with with Jen not being so have blinders on to his actual personality and you know maybe it still could have been funny i, I don't know um luckily the kid that did such a great performance that it's yeah you know not not played like gay funny i mean it is but but it isn't i don't know it, it's it's um, it's played like uh it's played like this gay stereotype funny but not this gay stereotype bad you know it in a way do you get what i mean i get what you mean that like you know though that 
people who talk like that exist and are gay. Exactly. Is that yeah, what you but, mean? But like, it, that that's, yeah, it, that's, it's 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 played in the not way everybody people, who yeah it yeah it's played in the way people who talk like this uh exist and they are gay, but not in the way people who talk like this exist and they are gay and they are the devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so up in the condo. Larry and Leon are wide awake because of all the stomping going on above their apartment. And Leon tells Larry he's got to handle it. Because if Leon goes up there, he'll kill the guy. (laughs) But with Larry versus a guy with Parkinson's, that's a fair fight. You know, kids, old people, the defenseless, and Larry. They're (laughs) all on the same fighting level. (laughs) And people with Parkinson's, all on the same fight. But Larry thinks he could take Michael J. Fox. And I don't know. I mean, Michael J. Fox has the youth, even with Parkinson's. Uh, he might get. What do you? Who do you think would win that fight? Uh, probably Michael J. Fox. <laughs> honestly, I don't think Larry's beaten anybody up in a fight. Yeah, I mean, he works out. We've seen him work out a little bit, he, and he can run. He might have the stamina. We, we, we've seen him train once in eight seasons. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. he went for a run twice. <sighs> In one episode. There was the episode when the, the lady's girlfriend, or the lady's boyfriend was going to come over to Larry, the Christian Slater episode, I think, was going to come over to Larry's and beat him up because uh, she had a boyfriend and he's in his home gym working out and he runs out and runs around his neighborhood trying to find somebody who will take him in. So that is one more occasion. Oh, that that's he was true. That's out. true. Yeah. Okay, three occasions three where we've seen him <laughs> run in, uh, what is this now? Uh, 80 episodes. <laughs> So, but I think maybe we're on Leon's side here, where it'd at least be a fair fight, a little bit of a fair fight, right? It would, it would go more than one <laughs> sure. round. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, and so upstairs, Michael J. Fox says he's wearing special boots for his feet so they don't cramp. They're Parkinson's boots, I guess. They look just like regular boots to me, which I think is part of the joke that he's like, you know, yeah, these Parkinson's boots I got to wear. And Larry <laughs> accuses him. Of using Parkinson's to harass him. I think all of this stuff is done on purpose and you're getting away with it because you have Parkinson's and this plausible deniability, uh, which Michael J. Fox denies. And there's a classic Larry stare down. So we didn't get out of season eight. This might be the only one in season eight. I think it's the only I one think, I remember. I think you're right. Yeah. So we get a, a classic Larry stare down before the end of the episode, uh, before the end of the season. Over at Jeff and Susie's, Susie tells Larry that the sewing machine gift was inappropriate, and it was actually an insult. Uh, <sighs> that's right. Yeah. Shut the fuck <laughs> up, Susie. No one cares. I was really surprised at Susie for this. I'm like, like... come on, you're, a, you're an L.A. liberal, right? Uh, but evidently not. Not in this case. Larry, you know, she's like, again, she kind of pulls it like, he's eight years old. He doesn't know what he is yet. He's not anything yet, which I think is also short-sighted and and a little bit incorrect um, but larry thinks he's at least pre-gay <laughs> <laughs> which i think is probably closer to what greg is than what Susie is saying or what jen thinks you know yeah. like all right well yeah he's de- he's not sleeping with anybody right now but just like you were straight when you were eight you know he's gay and eight you know <laughs> yeah. yeah so what? Um, yeah i don't know why that's so hard for some people to understand you know it's like i loved when and now it's like it's not the it's not the gotcha that it was, but it's like back when everybody was like, yeah, they're choosing to be gay, they're choosing to be gay, and you could flip it around and go, oh, when did you choose to be straight? And yeah, exactly. Go well. Well, I didn't. Uh, it's not, exactly. Doesn't work like that. That's the default setting. You don't. 
you know, and it's like, all right, well, it just, you know, we're, we're never going to agree, but at least <laughs> that's the you... default setting. Like yeah. we're a fucking computer. Exactly. You're born and then you have to switch it to game. <laughs> <laughs> like the crusty doll. Like, oh, you had to set on, somebody set this on gay. <laughs> <laughs> Call up tech support. Be like, hey, yeah. um, my, my switch is stuck in straight. And so Susie's like, get him another gift. And so Larry, <laughs> I did like. As as maybe as incorrect thinking as it was, I liked Larry and Jeff's discussion about which gifts are gay and which oh, are not. This was so good, yeah. <laughs> the, talking about the, like, the alternative like, gifts, and they're like, "Well, I can't get him a slinky. <laughs> a sli- a slinky is gay because you know it's it's like handling balls." Yeah, you know when you do the slinky back and forth in your hands, like those are balls. Slinky those are is balls. balls. <laughs> those are huge balls. And then Larry goes oh to roller God. skates, and I was like, "Larry, come on!" I mean, I already brought up Terry from. Reno 911, like... <laughs> well, d- does he say roller skates? I thought he said ice skating. Well, he says roller skates, and then they bring up the ice skating. Oh, well, no, okay. you got... So I guess roller skates might be straight, but ice skates are gay, and roller skates know. are too close to ice skates. <laughs> uh, they, they also says uh, n- nothing... Uh, there's n- nothing gay about an instrument except for a flute. Yeah, can't get him a flute or a harp. Can't, can't get him a flute two... <laughs> or a harp, yeah. <laughs> Those are the two gay instruments. Uh, and then Susie remarks on... Michael J. Well, Fox. B- b- before, before that, they're playing chess, and uh, Larry makes a dumb move. Jeff remarks, and he's like, uh, Larry just says, I'm sorry. I'm not thinking straight. Uh, I didn't notice that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Susie remarks on Michael J. Fox being Larry's neighbor and just how their lo- he, his love with Tracy is just like such a true love. You can tell like he would take a bullet for her. And Larry <laughs> asks, I think, if Jeff would take a bullet for Susie. And no, Susie, Su- Susie, Su- Susie, I think Susie's the one who Susie asks. asks Jeff. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, and, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> um, okay. Tim, not to interrupt. We yeah. are at the 10 minute warning. Okay. I don't know if we'll make it. We'll try. <laughs> God damn. You need a headset mic so you can pack and do this at the same time. Um, <laughs> but I like, I love the conversation too. When he's like, you know what people say to Jeff, Larry says, you know what people say when you leave the room? And Jeff's like, what do they say? Poor bastard. <laughs> oh, fuck. And Jeff just hangs his head. He's like, oh, man. Um, and Susie kicks Larry out of the apartment. I feel like that was almost an afterthought because Larry was like, all right, I'm going to go. But you get some, we get some ADR from Susie going, all right, Larry, get out of here. You know, I don't think it's because she heard him. I think she just wants. I think she just wants Larry out of the house anytime she sees him there. Uh, so back at the condo, Larry literally runs into michael j fox you know he's like all right come on he's like i got parkinson's that was just bad timing that that, that it seems like i shoved you it's the parkinson's and that's when uh, larry's like you know what? i'm gonna take this up with the board that you're harassing me and passing it off as parkinson's <laughs> that's when the doorman john glazer steps in did you recognize this guy i didn't but i, I recognize the name so yeah Where do long i know time- him from? Longtime Conan collaborator. Anytime Conan needed, like, you know, one of his writers to play a buffoon on stage, John Glazer would usually be, you know, so he was one of those players. He had a okay. hilarious show on on Cartoon Network called Delocated on Adult Swim, where he played a guy in the witness protection program that had a reality show. Uh, and so he wore a ski mask the whole time. So you might not recognize him from that. He was also Congressman Jam from Parks and Recreation, the douchey dentist, you know, council person with less that uh, works with Leslie Nope on that show. He's just been in a bunch of funny stuff, but it was cool to see him on this because, you know, he is sticking up. He's protecting Michael J. Fox. He's like, do you need me to call the police? And he's like, no, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah, Cause he even tells Larry, he's like, look, I don't give a shit. 
who you bump into, <laughs> the rest of the building, stay away from Mr. Fox. Yeah, don't touch him. Don't, don't touch, touch Mr. Fox. Fox. Or we're going to have a problem. Uh, so at the board meeting, Larry is pleading his case to Jim Downey. Did he recognize him? No. So many great New Yorkers. So Jim Downey is a longtime, again, Conan collaborator, but it's almost like you can't exist in New York without running across somebody who who was on you know, Conan O'Brien um, on the late night show or on SNL with him or whatever. But Jim Downey was in SNL. He was a writer in SNL when, Coney, um, when Conan was there. Coney. That's what I call Coney. it. When Conan was there. And, um, you know, he's popped up in other stuff, too. He was in, like, some SNL sketches and stuff. And, and even he plays the um, principal in Billy Madison at the end of the um, movie who is doing the, the game show style thing. And, the, and all the categories are like, my wife is a dirty skank and stuff like that. Uh, that's Jim Downey, too. <laughs> okay, okay. And so uh, maybe, maybe Larry knows him from his SNL days because I remember Larry was. I don't know if they uh, cross paths there, but they have that in common. Uh, and Larry has been reported. So Larry is complaining about Michael J. Fox, but. They come back to him and say, well, you know, you've been reported for playing with the buttons in the elevator. (laughs) I love the way that was. Like, he really is uh, Will Ferrell in Elf. Yeah, like he is. He's like, I wasn't, you know, (laughs) yeah, he was playing with the buttons. Um, And he says he wasn't even, you know, he wasn't even the one pushing the buttons. The guy pushed all the buttons. And so Larry is kind of, after, you know, shoving Michael J. Fox and and playing in the elevator, he's kind of on two-strike probation now. (laughs) And in order to get off probation... One thing he could do to get in the board's good graces is show up to Michael J. Fox's fundraiser and donate, eh, let's say, $10,000 to his <laughs> Which, charity. Come on. Good is Lord. Nothing, is nothing to Larry. It's nothing, nothing to Larry, but geez, this is a guy who doesn't like to spend $10. <laughs> yeah, but Larry has $1 billion at this point. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. he does. I don't know. He's, he's got a lot of money. He's comfortable. He's got a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> ten thousand I mean, is nothing. Got all that great Seinfeld money, and ten thousand is nothing. But still, it, I, I understand the sting a little bit there. <laughs> uh, so, at the park, Larry meets Susie and Jen with the new gift. It's a violin, uh, but Greg does not want to give back the sewing machine, uh, and Jen doesn't even want. I don't understand why he can't keep both, but they don't even want it in the house. Yeah, and so yeah, like yeah. Susie, you know, totally unrelated to the relationship between a mother and a son. To this, Susie's like, "Oh, good. We'll pack up the sewing machine and give it back." I'm like, "Shut the fuck up, Susie! Like, you're not. Yeah, really. You're not involved in this. Yeah, sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. Yeah, and Greg loves it. He doesn't want to give it back. In fact, he made something for Susie—a beautiful pillow sham that she turns around to display a giant swastika. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you learn about this? Larry taught me. He taught me all about Hitler and the swastika. And so Susie begins advancing on Larry, and we get another great, that great someone advancing on Larry POV shot. Uh, <laughs> but that's when they they stumble onto a bike path in the park, and a bike comes barreling at Susie, but Jeff pushes her out of the way at the last second and saves her and tells her, I took a bullet for you. And Susie says, well, it was a bike, but, you know, so <laughs> not good enough. But oh my God. Jeff feels like he did his part. Uh, at Michael J. Fox's fundraiser, even Mayor Bloomberg is there. The yeah, Mayor God Bloomberg. Damn. I know. <laughs> was he was he sitting mayor at this point? I guess he must have been. I, I yeah. think he had to be. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly playing it like that. And Jeff is still in pain from the accident, and he wants to know what the gift was. And Larry is shushed while they're because t- they're talking while Michael J. Fox is doing like his keynote speech about you know thank you everybody for coming and here's why this is important. And Larry and Jeff are like. 
oh, I'm still in pain. What'd you get the kid? Uh, and so Larry gets shushed. And so he mimics a violin. As Michael even... J. Fox is talking. <laughs> About his plight and having Parkinson and the people who have it and the devastating illness. He's. I didn't even notice how funny this was until it's pointed out that Michael J. Fox mistakes it for the pity violin that you play yeah. when somebody's like, oh, boo-hoo. Here's a, Bo- here's a- boo-hoo, <laughs> this guy and his struggles. <laughs> yeah, which was so hilarious. And the crowd turns on Larry immediately. <laughs> Even Mayor Bloomberg, who gets up yes. on stage and kicks Larry out of New York City. <laughs> Which I thought was a fitting end. I love this that even the mayor kicks Larry out of a whole the whole city. I just thought that was a great. Uh, I just thought it was a great way to write the end of this episode. And it's not the the total end yet because at the doctor's office, Jeff is getting some medicine for his pain, and because of where it is, the doctor thinks the best way to deliver it is a suppository, which they call bullets because ah. it's in this little metal container and Susie <laughs> smiles at Jeff because he's finally going to take a bullet for her <laughs> right up the ass and back in the condo Larry is explaining to Michael J. Fox you know that he's that what what was going on I was telling Jeff that I bought this kid a violin so it wasn't a pity violin and Michael J. Fox is like you know maybe this just to make it up to us Tracy and I are going to spend the day at the children's hospital you should come we spend all day we play games I mean we have this was funny, too, that this was a deal breaker for Larry because he's like, you know, we wear masks and they wear masks so that we don't get them sick and they don't get us sick. And that, like, grossed Larry out that he'd have to wear a mask. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, Jesus. just wait <laughs> nine how, short years. How fucking timely. <laughs> I know. That was, like, the worst. You know, they're trying to make it. You know, there's a parallel to the thing that the director back in L.A. was trying to get Larry to go to with the sick kids. And mm-hmm. the, the worst thing that Michael J. Fox had come up with was, yeah, we got to wear masks. Like, it just didn't yeah, play the that's, same. That's, that's the worst thing. <laughs> but Larry can't make it. Oh, he has to be out oh, of town. Man. And he's like, oh, where are you going? And instead of saying back to L.A., which I think would have been the smart <laughs> Would have just been, you know, like e- easy to do. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe it hadn't been quite the three months that he told the uh, the other guy yet. So yeah. he's like, look, I, I got to kill time still. Maybe it would have just been a month. Maybe maybe Larry's been in New York, I mean, for a month because we cut to, where are you going to be? Paris, France. <laughs> and he's there with Leon, who did you notice the giant USA shirt that Leon's yes. wearing? Yes. Perfect. I mean, just the perfect, like, (laughs) ugly American tourist thing for Leon to do. Not only that, he's also eating, like, Taco Bell, basically, whatever it is. He's like, yeah, I got a chalupa. It's a chalupa wrapped inside a burrito. (laughs) And they're walking by all these, like, cute little cafes. Yeah, the the way he says it, it's a chalupa inside a burrito. Wrap the fuck up. (laughs) So does that mean a third wrap around the burrito? Yes, I guess. (laughs) Well, he says, if I I could put French toast in this motherfucker, I would. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because Larry's like... You're in Paris and you're eating that. And he's like, well, if I have a French toast in here. But so they have to be, he has to be there with Leon for two months. So maybe he was only in New York for a month. And he was like. I I think that makes uh, sense, right? I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah. And uh, then Larry sees a pig parker, a guy who takes up two spots with his car and he confronts him in near perfect French, by the way. Larry starts arguing with him. Yeah. (laughs) And they start arguing in French about uh, being a pig parker. And that's when Frolic starts to play. And that's the end of the episode. Wow. All right. Yes. We, we made it. All right. We did it. Uh, what do we got for homework this week, Tim? Uh, Stephen Pollan. Is that a guy? And is he Michael J. Fox's father-in-law? 
Okay. What do you like for cover art? Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, it's got to be something with Larry and Michael J. Fox. I mean, is there a good shot of them when he has when he's covered with soda? Or are they on like one shots at that point? Um, I I'm not sure. I will look for something though. Yeah. With, with both of them, maybe like whenever they run into each other, at, like downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Something even with the security guard might be good. With the doorman, might be cool. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had in the season eight finale, comma Larry accuses <laughs> NY neighbor Michael J. Fox of harassment, comma and Jeff takes a bullet for Susie. Can we lop off the second part? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And do we need uh, we we do this every every season? Can we get rid of in the season eight finale? <laughs> I'm we fine fuck, with that. We too. fucking know, yeah. Because I do want to add. So what is it? What is it? The part about Michael J. Fox? Uh, so we we've currently got Larry accuses NY neighbor Michael J. Fox of harassment. I would love to put something about Greg in there, like and you know, and I don't want to say inappropriate because we and, both agree and, that it was appropriate. And buys a gift for a flamboyant child. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And buys a gift for. A flamboyant child. Oh, how about and tries to find the perfect gift yes. for a flamboyant child? I think, that, because, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. There we go. There yes, we, go. we did. It. Oh, wait. Do you, we we do have a little bit of time for curb your enthusiasm. Let's do it. <laughs> so, write a brief summary, Chat GPT, of the tenth episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, season eight, Larry v. Michael J. Fox. Let's see. I should have just hit enter before instead of making it generate <laughs> while we're on just to save our. What? Our systems detected unusual activity from your system. The hell? What? I know. What? I am alive. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Here, it's finally coming. In the 10th episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 8, Larry v. Michael J. Fox, Larry David gets into a feud with Michael J. Fox after he believes Fox sabotaged his chance at a new acting role. What Whoa. The hell? Okay, that's news to me. <laughs> Conflict escalates as Larry tries to prove Fox's involvement, leading to a new leading to a series of comedic misunderstandings and confrontations. Oh, Meanwhile, my God. other characters get caught up in Larry's antics. So they're not even saying Jeff now. <laughs> other other char- characters. Where did it go? It's it's gone. Oh, it just disappeared. Other characters get caught up in Larry's antics and then the screen just disappeared. So Chat GPT uh, thinks I'm doing something nefarious with it, obviously, and wow, and it's gone. But uh, the rest of it, I think, was probably just I, its normal hilarious and uh, huh, hilarity oh. ensues boilerplate. <laughs> I, I gotta say, not good, not good no, this week. Yeah, no. not uh, not hitting the mark. Right um, after feud with Michael J. Fox, you lost it. All right, Tim, did you like this episode? I did. I don't think, man, I wasn't thinking of giving it a star until right now. Like it was. I don't think I can give it a star. I, I really liked yeah. it, but it, I'm I'm not going to star it. It, um, I, yeah. I'm I'm in the same boat with you. Like it, at no point in this episode was I feeling like this is absolutely star worthy. If I if I was gonna give it a star, it would be low. And even at that point, I've had a few star lows this season. That it's it, it's it's going to be mid pack. It's it's not bad, but it's a yeah. mid pack. It's an average episode. This was like a great solid. Average episode. I loved Michael J. Fox is excellent in this, of course. The kid is excellent in this. The way they write Larry out of New York City by the, literally the mayor kicking him out of the city was great. So it, it, it closed the season out in a great way. I, I can't wait to see where we're going in season nine. Uh, I don't think we stay in Paris, although yeah. that would be funny. I, I, um, but, I do uh, think yeah. I do think that like given the overall like season eight arc, this is definitely one of the weakest. 
of just being in New York like, and like, and like this, the, over, the story yeah. arc. There's really the, no. There's no season long story that gets paid off at the end. Yeah. You know, there's there's five episodes in LA and five episodes in New York. Like there was a perfect split. Like I don't care. Give me a story. I don't care where it takes place. <laughs> yeah. The overarching storyline is yeah he, he has to, he's forced to go to New York and exist. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's it. it. Oh, you got to exist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? yeah he's not going he's not in a broadway play he's not opening a restaurant he's not yeah we've had much better uh yeah much better season arcs but that being said you know to take a curb thing from you know it wasn't the seinfeld reunion that was a series long and getting cheryl back was really the the underlying thing there but they did close it in a satisfying i'll say this is a satisfying finale for what for what it was you think i don't i don't know i it's okay. It does its job. I wouldn't I, say it does its job well. Yeah. I think for an unsatisfying season arc, which I agree with you on, it's as satisfying as it can be. You know, because what's there to close? Yeah. There was no goal. Yeah. You know? Okay. So. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. There's no goal. So getting like, the mayor like to kick him out of the city is kind of the, the. Yeah. So get, having the mayor kick him out of the city is kind of the, the best we can do. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, Next. So I was satisfied. Next week, we have got season nine, episode one. Foisted. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Foisted. Original air date, October 1st, 2017. Oh, damn. We are post-hiatus now. Wow. Uh, And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see season nine premiere, period. (laughs) (laughs) Larry tries to rid himself of an inept assistant, comma, offends Jeff's barber, and gets into hot water over a new project. The last one is a little vague, but then again, maybe it gives us as much of the story as we need. It, it piques my interest a little bit. We'll, yeah, we'll see if we can make it better at the end. I I don't really remember any of this, so uh, you know we'll see. But yeah, we're we're even closer to present day than than we were. Yeah. Luckily, we're not going to make you wait that long. Although there yeah. there might be a little delay with uh, how busy we are <laughs> in the first yeah, few may- weeks of may- November. Maybe maybe there will be a, a little delay between season eight and season nine. That remains to be seen. Yeah. Um. But. But also, um, it won't be se- seven years or whatever. It won't, it, won't, be it, won't be, it won't be six years. Maybe maybe it's a week or two. Who knows? <laughs> but also remember we're remember to have your top three uh, at the big. We'll do that at the beginning. That's right. To close out season eight. That's uh, right. After homework. Uh, as as we for next episode so all right get as much sleep as you can ted pack enough underwear you know remember you're probably going to shit your pants like seven or eight times oh i'm I'm planning on it i'm hoping i do that's the way i pack i Um, i I, i'm planning on going to this wedding just full streaked out Like, that's a meme I saw a million years ago that was like, uh, me packing, you know, me on a daily basis, you know, have one pair of boxes, you know, me packing for vacation. All right, let's see. Uh, I don't shit myself ever at home, but on vacation, probably six or seven times, like you pack like more, <laughs> way more than you need. And yeah. And give me a call uh, if you're around to hang out while you're yeah. on the, uh, yeah, the we'll middle do. Atlantic. We're, uh, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're getting, getting into Pittsburgh tomorrow and then Friday morning. And like midday, I don't think I have any plans. So maybe, maybe let's get lunch mm. or something Friday. I might be able to do that. I mean, okay. I, yeah. Okay. Depending I mean, on where that... you're staying, because I'll be all the way up in Leedsdale. Um, uh, I don't know where the fuck that is. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like near. Uh, it's in the North Hills, like uh, outside well, of Swickley. I, I don't know. I I will have a Tesla that I rented. Damn. 
I got it for a huge fucking deal with with Hertz. I guess you must have. What did you it have? Was a like, coupon or it something? Like, it was like three hundred bucks for like a week and a half. Holy I'm like, shit! Oh, yeah, hell yeah, brother. Damn. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I definitely so, want to. Like, I, I I typically use Turo, and that's what I get, like, my, my deals on, because it's, like, Lyft and Uber for uh, renting a car. Okay. Well, uh, I, I checked Kayak, and this was, like, $100, $200 cheaper than Turo. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I definitely want to ride now. Um, all right. Well, maybe I'll see you soon. And is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. Be good.